This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome in, my friends, to another episode of Behind the Pen. My name is Mike Rankin, and I will be your host for today's show. And it's just me, just me today. And I'm going to try and get this podcast under an hour. And if I could do that, I'll be impressed because there's plenty on tap for today. Well, this evening, this very muggy, rainy, nasty Chicago evening in August. Well, there's plenty to talk about, including my Chicago Bears, our Chicago Bears, for those who are fans of Behind the Pen and the best team in football. Also, Olympics are going on. Summer Olympics. I'm going to talk about that. Maybe not dissect. Because, you know, I'm not going to break down the freaking Olympics. That's not going to happen. I'll just talk about some stuff and some things. And hopefully you're entertained by those things and stuff. Also, in the MLB, we have guys who we recognize. We grew up watching. They're gone. They're retiring. We're going to get into that. Also, what's going on with the Chicago Cubs? Well, yeah, they're the best team in baseball. But there's been this story going on with Tommy LaStella. And I guess I kind of have to, well, selfishly thank LaStella because that gives me a chance to talk Cubs on my own show. I mean, I can talk Cubs whenever I want, but at the same time, if I keep doing it, you guys will get sick of it. You know what I mean? So I'm just going to, it's going to be, it's interesting. You guys have to stick around for that. It's something that I really, though all my years of covering and following baseball, I've never experienced something like this. So stay tuned for all of it. All of it. It's going to be a jam-packed show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully I can entertain you for that. Also, I got a plug, of course, the necessities, patreon.com backslash most available podcast. Become a patron, guys, please. Come on, like, just do it already, would you? All right? If you don't, it's fine, I guess. But big news, big news for most available podcasts. We are moving to blogtalkradio.com. Awesome. That gives us a chance to, well, be more legit and reach out to more people. It helps our product grow. So hopefully... It helps us, and it should, because it'll get a larger reach than we we do on SoundCloud. We, we love SoundCloud, but on October 1st, no more. No more SoundCloud, so be aware of that. We're going to blogtalkradio.com backslash most valuable podcast. We'll have everything for you. And as always, thank you all for listening. Without you, we would be nothing. We would just be a few guys talking into a microphone. And like I said, as much as I like to listen to myself speak, it wouldn't be as fun without you guys, so thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, let's get into this Chicago Bears, whatever that was. So finally, OTAs are done, training camps done. They have actual live games to look forward to now up until the season, September 11th in Houston against the Texans. Very much looking forward to that game. Not so much looking forward to talking about the first preseason game because holy crap. Ugh, that was not good. Yeah, it's preseason, and this it doesn't count for anything. Really, the goal is to stay healthy, see who can play, see who's going to be on the 53-man roster as well as sticking around in the practice squad. But the main thing is to stay healthy, and guys are getting hurt, and they've been getting hurt since the beginning of training camp, but I digress. Let's talk about this, this first preseason game, and I'm not going to harp too much on the negatives obviously because it's the first live action there's new players new offensive system they want to see who they can plug in defensively especially in the secondary that will make plays for them they're a much more athletic team and that's obvious and that's that's the most optimistic thing that I could be excited about for the Chicago Bears going into 20 
16. Because last year, holy crap, Shea McClellan, Jonathan Anderson, Christian Jones running around not knowing what the hell they're doing. So this year, that front seven's up, upgraded. Their receiving core is much better as long as they stay healthy. As long as they stay healthy. So going into this preseason, I was looking forward to seeing several different players perform. Like, well, obviously Cutler. You know, you want you want Cutler to be able to get the ball to his playmakers in Jeffrey and White. It was nice that Jeffrey took the field. It was also nice to see Kevin White kind of getting involved, kind of getting his legs in there, getting his first taste of what an actual NFL game is, get accustomed to the speed. Look, it's a different game going from practice now to live action against really fast and athletic people who will hit you hard. So that'll be interesting to see. It's different going across the middle in practice than in a preseason or even in a regular season game. So I don't know. There's a lot of things to be excited about, despite the fact that Zach Miller had a concussion, Eddie Royal had a uh, concussion, Marquise Wilson was on the physically unable to perform list, going, and I don't know how long he's going to be out. It seems like a while. They lost Grisou, and speaking of Grisou, that offensive line looked terrible. And really, let's get into that conversation a little bit, because that was definitely the main concern last night, or whatever day they played, Thursday. That was bad. And of course, they didn't really necessarily game plan for what the Broncos were going to bring. Obviously, they have an athletic defense, one of the best defenses in football. But like their top six defensive players weren't even in the game. You know, We didn't see T.J. Ward. We didn't even see Von Miller. You know, Guys like that that carried this team. They weren't there. And over and over again, we saw free rushers coming at Cutler. That's not good especially since this offensive line really is not so much pad. There's young players in the interior besides Ted Larson. We expect the Grisou to be there, but Larson's got to do it. I, I have faith in Larson. He's a good player. But Whitehair's in his first season. Looks Hopefully he can adjust. I think he's going to be a good player. Obviously he's going to have some growing pains, but still. You have Kyle Long, best guard probably in football, and I'll I'll continue to say that. He's... Damn good at what he does, and he should stay at guard. No need to move him to left tackle or right tackle. Don't do that. Bobby Massey, new player. Charles Leno, he's got a lot to prove. But if you look at it, that's okay. Those starting five linemen, you can live with that. And they're going to get better. They're only going to get better. And I have faith that they'll perform well enough to keep them in games. And that's really all you need. But they have no depth in the offensive line. When the second string offensive lineman came in, it was just blitz, 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 free rushes to the quarterback over and over again. The depth scares me. And I was excited about the depth of the offensive line this season because there were several free agent signings that they made. They were excited about Whitehair. They were excited about Grisou. Whether or not Grisou was going to be better than last year because he was not good. But, you know, it was his second season. It was a chance for him to grow. They expect him to be their starting center. But... Now he's out for the year. You cut Matt Slauson because you figured that you were going to go younger and you had enough depth that you didn't need Slauson, even though he was like their second best lineman last year. So that comes back and that bites you right in the behind because obviously you can't see the future, but now, oh boy, I can't even tell you who the backup linemen are. And that's kind of concerning. 
which means you got to have that front five healthy all season, and that's probably not going to happen. So that group has some work to do. I'm not going to deny it. Uh, we'll see how the progressions go as this preseason campaign, we can call it, continues. Because next week, they'll be able to practice with the New England Patriots, and they'll be playing them in Foxborough. Should be a bloodbath. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It's preseason. No big deal. They're not going to throw out their complete offensive playbook at them. And, you know, vice versa. They're not going to show them all these disguised schemes on the defensive side. It's just basically they got to see who can play and who's willing to be a contributor on the 53-man. That's all it is. Don't look so much at the results. Look at what the individual players are doing. And that's what the preseason is about. Watching individual performances. Now let's talk about some individual performances. I was very this gra- this draft class. I feel like is going to be pretty impactful. Not even talking right away. Like I'm saying this year, next year, and well into the future, hopefully. But I I, I think that Ryan Pace did well to find positions of need within the draft that are impact players. Some bright spots offensively. Obviously, it was nice to see Alshon Jeffrey on the field dealing with that hamstring, calf injury, whatever it was. Hopefully, he's healthy by week one. That's all that we care about with him. You stay on the field for 16 freaking games, and you're going to get paid, you're fine. Kevin White, hey, made a nice screen play, I guess. Whatever. He was on the field. He saw some live action. Good for him. Cody White here, not bad. Not bad. He's got plenty of time to develop. Josh Bellamy. How about Josh Bellamy? He's definitely going to make the uh, the 53-man roster as one of the receivers. You, you just got to believe it. He's been on the field. He is a pretty decent route runner. Other than that, on the offensive side, I saw, oh, God, bleh, ugh, ugh, not good, not good. Defensively, I, I was looking forward to more so the defensive side of the ball than the offense because we know new system, jumbled up offensive line, you're going to have some hiccups, and that whole freaking whatever that was was a bad one. Hopefully it gets fixed, but defensively, they invested a lot in the draft on this side of the ball. Deion Bush, first of all, there's a lot of freaking players starting with a D. You got Deontay Thompson, Deion Bush, DeAndre Houston Carson, DeAndre Paul. Like, excuse, I'm sorry if I, if I butcher or if I mix them up. There's just all they're all over the place. They're littered. But DeAndre Hall played a nice game at corner. And he's one of those guys too that the Bears are high on. He's lengthy and he's athletic. He can make the play. He just needs to figure uh out the speed of the game. Obviously he's gotta get accustomed to it. He's gotta be better playing the ball. You know, he got he made a couple nice plays in the preseason. He stood out. It looked good. I was excited for him. Keep an eye on him because Kyle Fuller, man. Kyle Fuller is going to be under a microscope. People are going to watch him like a hawk, and he's got to perform. Former first-round draft pick, he's got to play better than what we've seen. And Tracy Porter, Tracy Porter was their best corner last year, and he's just a guy. So they're need they're going to have to find some pieces in the secondary that they can rely on because really you don't you don't have faith in almost anyone. I think Bryce Callahan who stood out last year, he's going to get better, and I think they're going to play him a lot, whether it's in the nickel or as a corner. Um, press coverage. I don't know how often he'll do that, but yeah, he had that miss 
step in the first quarter, the first possession, I believe, on defense. Mark Sanchez went deep to Demarius Thomas, and I guess he tried to pass him off to a safety that wasn't there. So, yeah, you can't do that. But he made an athletic play, tipped the ball, allowed Drell Freeman to make that pick. So that was that was cool. I think that Bryce Callahan is going to emerge as one of those guys that is going to see a lot of playing time. He's going to make the, make some plays. I think they're high on him as well. DeAndre Houston Carson, he's one of those hybrid types. I was looking at him because he played a lot, and so did DeAndre Hall, who did well, and Deion Bush, who were DeAndre Houston Carson, sixth-round draft pick, Deion Bush, DeAndre Hall, fourth-round picks. Houston Carson first, that hybrid between corner and safety. He's definitely going to see some time on special teams. Got beat on a block, whatever. It's going to happen, you know. Just figure it out. It's the preseason. This is why you get the kinks out before the season starts. I'm excited about him. First-round draft pick Leonard Floyd didn't look terrible. It's obvious that he's got some issues in terms of strength and beating guys off the ball. He's fast, though. He's very fast, athletic. He He's going to make some plays. He'll be fine. I'm not so much worried about Leonard Floyd. Their defensive line, hey, Jonathan Bullard looked pretty good. I feel like he's going to play a lot. Eddie Goldman, he's Developing into a very nice player. Eddie Goldman's probably going to be their most disruptive pass rusher next to maybe Akeem Hicks on the line. So that's exciting. Also, uh, Willie Young signed an extension. I thought he didn't want to play for the Bears anymore, but I guess he does because he's there for another two years. That's awesome. But overall, the, the guy who stood out the most to me was Jarrell Freeman. And he played that first quarter. He looked good. He was in the right spots, and that's something we haven't seen in the linebacking position in a while, uh, you have faith in the guys to be in the right spots, make the right reads, actually make athletic plays. Drell Freeman had that pick, helped by Bryce Callahan. That was that was a nice play. And you could tell. Freeman will let you know that he's on the field. He hits you hard. And we saw that a little bit in the, in the first quarter of the preseason. So that was uh, that was nice. And we Danny Trevathan as well. So it's it's not all bad. I know it was awful. The, the reserves looked terrible. That's the thing that's most concerning, especially on the line. But Bears will be all right, guys. Don't No need to panic here. It's only the first week of the preseason. It's a little fun thing we can do is break down individual performances, and really that's all it is. I'm excited very much so as I wrap this Bears conversation up for Kadeem Carey. I really am excited about this kid. He, unfortunately, it looked like he got a concussion in the play, uh, special teams, punt return, I believe it was. He came flying in, led with his head. I guess side of the knee or whatever it was, the other player just kicks him right in the side of the head. That's that's a concussion right away. So he's under protocol. Hopefully he's not out for a while because he's going to be a big-time contributor, especially on offense. I'm excited. I, I, I am still excited. I, I haven't lost my optimism and I shouldn't, <laughs> nobody should after the first preseason game, but it just shows that what that was was a slap in the face being like, all right, we got work to do. Let's be men and let's do some work. Let's get better. Hopefully there's some improvement that we see. Let's, If we really want to start panicking, let's wait until after the third preseason game because that's probably as close to game ready as we'll see. Obviously they'll start their starters and play them for Probably a half, maybe a little bit more. So until then, we could just enjoy watching new Chicago Bears players take the field and continue to count down till kickoff. Bears will still be fine. They're going 10-6 and and making the playoffs. I'm not backing away from that prediction. So sue me. Come at me. 
Tell me I'm an idiot. That's fine. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. What else we got to talk about? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about some baseball. Some baseball. Now, this, I'm not really going to talk about any specific team. Maybe I'll mention some things about the teams that these players play for. But I wanted to talk about this with you guys because this is kind of a momentous period in baseball in terms of players. Because those who we grew up watching and admiring and going through what these guys went through, it's it's all coming to an end. So let's let's talk about this real quick because Ichiro, Ichiro finally got his 3,000th hit in the majors. Awesome. He's got over 4,200 if you include the over 1,200 he had in Japan. First ballot Hall of Famer. Couldn't be more happy for the guy, but he's going to be most likely done after this season. Prince Fielder. You guys hear about this? This is heartbreaking. He's had that neck problem. And this is the second time he's had this neck surgery, neck injury, whatever it was. He's out. He's done. He can't play anymore. And he signed that nine-year, $214 million contract with the Detroit Tigers. And he's going to get some money, absolutely, because he was forced to retire due to medical reasons. So it's not like he's going to be gypped out of, out of the cash, but man... He, too early, too early for one of the better hitters in the game. He hit 319 career home runs the same as his father. And his father's career ended prematurely as well. So, man, that's a that's a weird kind of thing, isn't it? That's too, too weird to be a coincidence. But the game of baseball has a mind of its own, and it'll tell you. It, enough is enough. And, man, for Fielder to just end his career at 32... So abruptly, it's just heartbreaking. You never want to see that. He was a part of that really fun Milwaukee Brewers run in 2008 when they went to the NLDS and lost to the Philadelphia Phillies in the first round. But at the same time, he was huge in making the Brewers relevant again. He actually took the Brewers to the NLCS, well, helped take the Brewers to the NLCS in 2011. That was the last really good season Milwaukee had. Then he was moved to, signed with Detroit, and then the rest is history. He got traded to Texas in Kinsler, and now it's just, it's over for him. It's over. And I, I'm going to continue on, but I, I like look at the pattern here. These are recognizable names. Prince Fielder, Ichiro, Mark Teixeira. Mark is calling it a career. And I think he's just had about enough. It's tough. For a guy who's been hurt so much, he's 36 years old. He was a major reason why the New York Yankees won their World Series in 2009. He was a part of some pretty darn good teams throughout his major league career. Is he a Hall of Famer? Probably not. Is he a part of the Hall of Very Good Players? Yeah, definitely. Teixeira's current career slash line Sits at 269, 361, 510. That's an 871 OPS. He's got a career number of 404 home runs. So that's something to hang your hat on. And if I'm Teixeira, I, you can't. He's, he's got a ring, you know, and he's made a lot of money. <laughs> Yankees fans are probably not too thrilled with the eight years, $180 million that he kind of reaped. But overall, Teixeira, really good career. Really good career. And he, like I said, recognizable name. He's going away now. I know he's been hurt a lot. He missed pretty much the entire 2013 season. But he ends his career with multiple gold gloves, three all-star appearances, 14 productive years in the big leagues, 
Can't beat it. That's a good player right there. And baseball's going to miss him. He's been around since 03. Another guy who's calling it a career, David Ortiz. This is David Ortiz's final season, and he does not look like he's ready to retire. He could even win the uh, AL MVP. He had that recent stretch that where he struggled, but man, this guy is mashing as if he were a part of the 04 Red Sox again. I remember David Ortiz for that unbelievable series he had in 04 where he, oh, so many clutch hits, ended up being the ALCS MVP, went on, won the World Series for Boston, finally broke the curse. Also, he has to go down as one of the clutch, most clutch postseason hitters of all time. He's His career batting average in 14 World Series games is 455. His OPS is 1372. David Ortiz is a living legend. And yeah, he got called PDs. Happened. It did. And that, you know what? What set him apart from others, like Ryan Braun, A-Rod, who I'll touch in a minute, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, those guys, he straight up admitted, yep, I did it. I'm going to serve my suspension, and that'll be it. And people tend to forgive a little more than those who fight it and want to keep their reputation sane. And... It's going to suck without Big Poppy in the league. It really will. But 20 years in the big league, what a freaking career for David Ortiz. It's not over yet. we got to enjoy the remaining few months of the season. Hopefully, for the Red Sox' sake, they're in the playoffs, and we can see one more magical run led by David Ortiz. Definitely going to talk about Big Poppy some more down the road. But for right now, I have to mention one last player who's retiring, who's deciding to retire, and that's A-Rod. A-Rod is such... An interesting story since he even came up into the league as an 18-year-old with the Seattle Mariners. It was just this man was all of the rage. And they said that he would be the best baseball player in the game for years and years and years. When he was with the Texas Rangers, my goodness, there were there was a three-year stretch where he was absolutely the best player in the game and he would do it all. Hit for power, average, drive in runs, get on base, score runs. Defensively, he was very good. He won two gold gloves from 01 to 03 in three seasons. His per 162 game average from 2001, 2002, and 2003, A-Rod hit 305, 395, and 615. That's a 1011 OPS. He had 156 home runs. In three seasons, which averages out to 53 per 162 over those three games, over, over those three years. This man was unreal. Averaged 31 doubles those three seasons. Drove in 132 runs. My gosh. Unbelievable. A-Rod, 14-time All-Star, 3-time league MVP, made the postseason 12 times as a player, helped the and without A-Rod, as much as Yankees fans probably tend to just are done with him for now, without A-Rod, they probably don't win that 09 World Series, and that's just flat out. He's ending his career with sitting on 696 home runs and he's actually playing right now. And he yay, he doubled. RBI double in his going away game. So 
unless he homers four times, he's going to stay out of the 700 home run club. But overall, it's a uh, it's a it's a weird conversation because he should be a Hall of Famer, but because of the whole PED scandal and uh, his whole history, that's probably not going to happen. Because if that happens, then you got to open up the case for Barry Bonds, who I believe is a Hall of Famer. You got to talk about even Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, all of these guys who were linked to PEDs. Roger Clemens. It's just one of the conversations that Major League Baseball doesn't want to touch on. But to me, and I'm not trying to make this about a steroid era or whatever, there are different eras of baseball and guys who dominated that era. Now, this is the steroid era. A-Rod dominated the steroid era. So shouldn't he be recognized for that? I know he was on PEDs, but so was pretty like 60% of the league. But... Uh, I digress. I digress. I respect A-Rod. I feel like he paid his dues. He came back in 2015 and really gave the Yankees a chance to make the playoffs. He was their, He was among their best hitters, especially at the start of the season. First, what was it, four months of the year, he was tearing up. It looked like the A-Rod of old. It was unreal. And he spent two years away from the game due to injury and, and, and whatever he was dealing with. But this A-Rod thing... He just, he can't, he looks terrible this year. Awful. He can't catch up to a fastball. He's hitting under 200 on the year, and it's time. It is time. Uh, So he had one year left on that long-term contract he signed with the Yankees. Um, Ten years, 252 mil. Man. Yeah. Generations. It's it's just, it's, it's moving forward in the game now. He's 41 years old. This man is... He's just about at his end. And I respect, like I said, A-Rod. I know a lot of people disagree with him and the idea of A-Rod. Because, yeah, you remember, how about, what was it in, I believe it was 04 in the ALCS. It was um, A-Rod slapping the ball out of, oh, who was it, Bronson Royals glove, I believe? Oh, that was insane. One of the craziest moments in postseason, that was such a fun series, and A-Rod was right in the middle of it. He just bitch slaps Bronson Arroyo as it was a big moment, eighth inning, believe it was. A uh, little dribbler back to the pitcher. Man, that's probably one of the highlights. I, it's not a good highlight, for sure. That's probably a low light, but it was just such a memorable moment. A-Rod was in so many meaningful games throughout his career. Carried the city of New York for a, a few years, really. So overall, you look at A-Rod, it's definitely tainted. And there was a lot of pressure coming on this kid, this young 18-year-old. He's a player that Major League Baseball really hasn't ever seen when he was first coming up. And unfortunately, he succumbed to the pressure of trying to carry Major League Baseball on his shoulders. And he got mixed up with the wrong people, started doing the wrong things, cheating, pretty much. And, you know, his career is tainted for that. But at the end of the day, all of those numbers... Are they for not? Probably, because it doesn't look like Major League Baseball will take pity on those who were steroid users and put them in the Hall of Fame just yet. So, A-Rod, congratulations on a lengthy career. One of the most dominant hitters in the entire history of the game. At one point, he was on pace of breaking Barry Bonds' home run record, but lots of stuff got in the way of that. Overall, though, A-Rod, it was was a pleasure to hating you for so long, but at the end of the day, I got to just respect you. I do. To end this baseball conversation, though, I want to end it on a lighter note. Uh, I know all of these guys are leaving, 
But it's just to pave the way for the new generation of talent. And my gosh, guys like Corey Seager, Manny Machado, Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant. Oh my gosh, all these young players who are just dominating. And we see it. Giancarlo Stanton, they're going to be the mainstays. They're going to be the face of Major League Baseball, and it's awesome. So Major League Baseball losing these top players, most recognizable names, it's not going to hurt them because they have backup. They're fine. Moving right along, let's talk about the Summer Olympics. Why don't we? Because apparently the United States is kicking ass. I think they're leading the medal count by a lot. Lots of gold medals going around, especially in swimming. Beach volleyball, I guess, is good. Uh, Handball. You guys watch handball? That game is crazy. And I don't think the United States takes it serious enough. That's just my opinion. If you give any athlete... In the United States, an open trial to make the Olympic handball team, I'm telling you, it would be something insane. Imagine like Noah Syndergaard throwing to Cam Newton, who was throwing to Odell Beckham Jr., who was throwing to LeBron James. Why are you kidding me? That would be unstoppable. That would be the craziest thing on a court ever. But hey. Yeah, that would just that's just me thinking outside the box, I guess. But the Olympics in the United States, they're kicking ass this year, but I'm really not big on the Olympics. I don't know what your opinion is on it. I, I don't know if you guys enjoy it, whatever. You guys should let me know. Please do. Tell me what your favorite events are. Tell me what you love the most about these Olympics so far. But there is this, there is something that came up, and I'm doing this podcast a day later, mainly because of the Chicago Bears and their terrible preseason performance. But just today, August 12th, the United States women's national soccer team got eliminated. And they were probably, I think they were ranked number one in the tournament. And they, they figured that they were just going to walk all over everyone. They played like crap against Colombia. And then they came in against Sweden, I believe it was, or Switzerland, one of the two. I don't really pay attention. But I did pay attention to the final. They lost. Now they're eliminated. They're going home. And Hope Solo, this freaking crazy lady, she needs to go, first of all. I think we're done with Hope Solo and everything about her. I think she's just the worst. She's out of her mind. But whatever. She called her the other team cowards, a bunch of cowards, and they played a certain style that she, I guess, didn't agree with, and she felt like the United States were the better team and they didn't win. Sounds to me she's pretty salty. Maybe she should beat up her nephew again or something. I don't know. Don't do that. Please don't do that because... You guys know, you guys remember that, right? The domestic violence issue that she had to deal with in 2014 or so. She's out of her mind, man. She's crazy. She's crazy. She was, I guess, hammered one night with her half-sister and her nephew, and there was a fight. And I guess her husband's also crazy or whatever the hell that's going on over there. It's just bad. But she pounded this kid, this 17-year-old kid's face into into the cement. And while the half-sister tried to pull her off to, you know, stop and save her son... The half-sister got her ass kicked because Hope Solo just started punching her in the face over and over again. So the story continues. Hope Solo says that she wasn't guilty, or she was the victim in this situation, but obviously with all the witnesses around, they were like, uh, you're out of your mind. That's not true. So she's been dealing with that ever since, and that's hanging over her head. And do I even have to mention the nudes? Like, come on. She's just, ah, enough of Hope Solo. Enough. And she comes out and says all these stupid-ass things to the press I don't know. Am I anti-American if I said I was kind of hoping for the women's national team to lose just so Hope Solo could lose? I don't know. I mean, does it really matter? It doesn't affect me at the end of the day. But at the same time, like, 
man, she's the worst. She is the worst. But I just, the women's national side, they, they got eliminated and they were the top team and that's bad, not good. But overall though, United States is doing pretty well. Katie Ledecky, are you kidding me? She's oh, she's unreal. Yeah, I don't think anybody can come close to her. And and Michael Phelps, Phelps has got more gold medals than entire countries put together. It's insane these what they're able to do. Michael Phelps will swim in six events and win them all. Also in gymnastics, first of all, how the hell can they do all of that? Like, oh my god, it just hurts me watching them dance on that or not dance. Uh, well, they had that mat competition. Were they able to do a bunch of flips and stuff? It's just unreal. And then they have the bar routines. Holy God. Like, how do you, first of all, how do your shoulders not explode when you do a loop-de-loop up there and like transfer to bar to bar, you know? It's like, oh, the strength that these athletes have. It's insane. They dedicate their lives for that moment. And so far, so good for the United States. I know the, the Simone ladies did very well in their respective sports. I know the swimmer and the gymnastics participant, they kicked ass and they won gold. So, man, tell me, you guys, obviously I'm not super big on the Olympics, but I want to hear your opinions, your thoughts on the Olympics, what your favorite moments have been so far. Uh, But, like, Rio has been, like, there are so many reports in Rio that the water smells like like feces and like their their hotel rooms are not up to par to even like tourist standards and these are olympic athletes they have to stay there and they're uh i think there were a, there was a cleanup project for a lake that was a, a next to or near one of the main facilities that wasn't cleaned it's dangerous to go in there one of the diving pools i guess that they competed in was green and it smelled like poo like Real, man. What, what are you doing? And this was almost as bad as Sochi. And in Sochi, I mean, at least they had freaking working bathrooms. Ah, it was we. Oh, man. It's it's so... And plus the Zika virus is over there. So please don't take that... Bring that back over here because I don't want to die. And anyway, yeah. Like I said, please share with me your opinions on the Olympics. What's your favorite event? Who's your favorite Olympian? Uh, if you say Michael Phelps, I'm just going to have to slap you across the face because... Uh, Michael Phelps is going to be everywhere for a while now. I feel like every four years, people are like, oh, yeah, Michael Phelps. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like all over Subway, all over these other commercials. DUI, uh, caught for pot, whatever. He's an Olympic hero. You know, Michael Phelps is the man. He's unbelievable. He is unbelievable. But still, hey, people are people and the Olympics are fun, I guess. I don't really pay attention too closely, but let me know if you do. Please do. Now on to the final topic of the day and probably the most interesting topic. If you're still sticking around on SoundCloud, thank you very much. Remember, if you're on SoundCloud, we're moving to blogtalkradio.com. So October 1st, we will not be posting our full-length podcast on SoundCloud anymore. Just, uh, just letting you know. But on YouTube, don't worry about it. We'll still be here. Thank you for listening, by the way. So I'm going to move on to this Cubs topic because... Oh, ho-hum, they're the best team in baseball, 32 games above 500, 14 games ahead of the St. Louis Cardinals, and they're 34, their magic number is 34, 30 freaking four. Oh man, I'm so excited, they're going to clinch before September 15th, it's going to be, it's going to be so awesome. Uh, anyway, what I wanted to talk about today with the Chicago Cubs is a very interesting scenario that I have never experienced before, and it involved Tommy Listella. So Tommy Listella is actually having a very good season. 27 years old, finally coming into his own as a Major League Baseball player. But because he has options remaining, the Cubs have the luxury to send him down to AAA 
without having to pass him through waivers. And if you go through waivers, likely get claimed. So there are players like Chris Coughlin, who they traded for, Matt Caesar, who has no options left, who will definitely be claimed off waivers if they do so, choose to send him down to AAA. So Caesar's going to stay on the Major League roster. They don't want to give up on Coughlin because they traded for him, and if you send him down, then he's just going to get released, pretty much. So what the problem here is, obviously Timeless Stella should not be in AAA. Timeless Stella is a Major League Baseball player. He's good enough to be on the Chicago Cubs roster, and he will most likely... he will. I don't know what's going to happen now, but he will most likely be on the playoff roster if this stuff didn't go down. Now, I'm not saying he's not going to be because of this, but the future is uncertain for Listella. Listella, I guess, refused to go to Iowa completely. He said the only team that he wants to play for is the Chicago Cubs. So now the Cubs are going to put him on the temporary inactive list. He's back in New Jersey. He's doing sprints in his backyard or whatever the hell he's trying to do. And until then, the Cubs have to figure it out. They're going to... Because they're not just going to call him up. Something has to happen. Somebody's got to go on the DL. I know Pedro Strub just got hurt. He's out four to six weeks. But because he's a bullpen arm, the Cubs have to replace him with another arm. And that's going to be Justin Grimm. And Trevor Cahill's coming up very soon as well. So roster spots from the Chicago Cubs right now, the 25-man, are limited. And because Listella has options, it's the easy move to send him down to AAA. But he refuses to go anywhere. And it's odd. This is not... This isn't normal. There's got to be something going on in his personal life that's making him do this. Because your job as a Major League Baseball player is to obligate to your boss. Do what he says. And he's not. He's doing his own thing. There was an interview with him via Jesse Rogers of ESPN, who does a really good job covering the Chicago Cubs for the Four Letter Network. Not a fan of ESPN on this show, you guys know that, but Jesse Rogers does good work. And he was able to talk to Listella, and Listella said that, you know, being a professional baseball player doesn't define him as a person. And, I mean, what? You know, like, okay, so you're just going to throw away your baseball career because you don't want to... He said he didn't want to get traded. He said he didn't want to get sent down. And if he got traded, he would retire. If he got sent down, he wouldn't go. And that's obvious right now. So what are the Cubs going to do? Jed Hoyer said, listen, like we're not going to just call him back up to the Major League Club. He's going to have to spend some time with the Iowa Cubs to get back into game shape or see live pitching. So I don't know how this is going to end. Are they going to have to explore left-handed bats in the non-waiver period? That ends August 31st. Is Nick Markakis a name that may be involved? Who knows? But right now, the future of time of La Stella doesn't look too bright. It's foggy. It's really foggy, and it's weird because all of the players have nothing but good things to say about him as a teammate. As a player, he's very good against righties, has, makes a lot of contact. He's been hitting for some decent power this season as well. The Cubs have really good bats off the bench, including Listella and Matt Caesar. But, look, I'm, a, I'm not a guy who, like, I, I, I would rather have Listella on the roster than Chris Coglin, but right now it makes sense for the Cubs to hang on to these pieces until they're able to expand the rosters in September, and then they can figure out who they want to keep on their 25-man. What? what are you doing, Listella? You're just kind of hurting yourself, aren't you? Because eventually I think the Cubs are just going to be like, all right, forget it, man. You're not worth it. We're not doing this anymore. You're just, it's, that's, it'll be it for them. And I don't want to see that happen. Do I think that's going to happen? No. But this is a very peculiar situation. I've never seen anything like this.
And it doesn't make any sense to me. None at all. You're a Major League Baseball player. Do what you're told. There's got to be something going on in his personal life that makes him think like this and making him act like this. Obviously, Listel is good enough to be on the Major League Club, but the Cubs are trying to win a World Series here, and they need to value every single position player and every position that fills the 25-man roster. And right now, obviously, Listel would have been a part of the Major League club, uh, Club this postseason. It's just he has options left, so just do it. Just suck it up for a month, and you'll be back. You'll be back in September. I just, there's got to be something going on. Please, guys, keep an eye on this because, well, I don't know. Something's going to happen here. Hopefully, it's nothing too crazy, especially within his personal life. Hopefully, it all gets smoothed out because I know Joe Madden, he said that he'd welcome him back, but obviously, it wouldn't, he wouldn't just op- be open arms with him. He has, to, he has to go through Iowa like we talked about earlier. So, just keep an eye on this. We'll see what, we'll see what transpires over the future. But, all right. I hope you guys enjoy that show. Uh, The Chicago Bears finally played some live football against players that aren't on their team. So that was fun. We talked some retiring baseball players changing the face of MLB. Guy recognizable names are gone now, guys. It's crazy. It's really crazy. We talked some Olympics. Michael Phelps, obviously. Kate Ledecky. Hope Solo. uh, The Simone girls who dominated in their fields. And we ended with some odd Cubs talk. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. My name is Mike Rankin from Behind the Pen. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Most Available Podcast, of course. Remember, we're moving to blogtalkradio.com. And we're going to have everything for you there. So check us out. Go to mostvailablepodcast.com for, most detail, for more details. Excuse me. Sean Anderson's got a video on YouTube that explains it all. Listen to him because I don't do enough justice for you. But... What else? Uh, Twitter's at Rankin906. Follow me there, at Most Available Pod. That's our channel, Twitter. Guys, you guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. I may disagree wholeheartedly with all your opinions about Jay Cutler, but just keep keep on keeping on, guys, because we're here for you. This is what we love. This is what we do. But all right, thank you very much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.